gentleness when we were picking out. <laughs> I wanted to pick gentleness because... <laughs> Sorry, I feel, I feel like I'm a very naturally gentle person. <laughs> okay, because God has gifted me with gentleness and compassion. I'm a very empathetic person, so I just really care a lot about like how other people are feeling. So that makes me a really naturally gentle person. So I thought it would be a good one for me to preach on. So that is why I am doing this one, and even though I'm a naturally gentle person, it still takes the work of the Holy Spirit in me to be truly gentle with people in situations that matter. And what I want to talk to you guys tonight about gentleness is, because I, I kind of feel like it's sort of an, maybe a little bit of an overlooked one, underrated one. Um, But I wanted to tell you, preach on this, because I want to tell you how important it is and how essential the quality of gentleness, the fruit of the Spirit gentleness, is in how we relate with one another and how gentleness can bring people to Christ and does bring people to Christ all the time. It is an extremely important um, aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. Um, So I am going to pray and then move right along. Lord, I just thank you so much for these kids here tonight and all of us. Thank you for putting this sermon in my heart. I just pray that I would speak all the words and speak clearly the message that you have given me. I just pray that all distractions would be gone and people would pay attention also. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So, the word gentleness in the Greek, to get a little bit fancy, is called, it is Christotis. Okay, I practiced it like a bunch of times so I could say it without, like, messing it, but it's Christotis. Christotis, I think is how you pronounce it. And that basically breaks down to Goodness, excellence, uprightness is what the word Christodis means. Now, dictionary definition, which was dictionary.com because I don't actually own a dictionary, is the quality of being kind, tender, or mild-mannered, softness of action, or effect, lightness. And I wanted to ask you guys a question. What situations do you guys think really require gentleness? Just everyday life stuff. Anger. When you're angry. Emotions of friends. That does. You do need gentleness. I'm sorry. That was a horrible throw. It's not your fault. Customer service. Yeah, you're right, because you're dealing with a lot of fr- frustrated people. What, what do you, what, Jordan? Oh, you didn't, oh, answer, I'm sorry. I'm, 
I'm just going, free-flowing with the candy. Working with the elderly. Yes, because they're delicate, though, too. I mean, working with the elderly, like if you're helping them with everyday activities like getting dressed and stuff, you're going to be, you're going to be really gentle with them. Oh, okay, over here. Yes, you want to be gentle with your younger siblings. That's right. Derek, did you have one? In ministry. Why in ministry? It's because there's people there. <laughs> and anywhere there's people, you're going to need gentleness. The Christodis definition, goodness, excellence, and uprightness, I would say makes it seem like gentleness is a quality that we need to have all the time, which I completely agree with. We do need to have the, the quality, the fruit of the spirit, gentleness, all the time, but I do think there's certain situations that require extra, extra tenderness and extra gentleness. <clears throat> when there's delicacy, when situations are very delicate, um, my parents, they don't have them anymore, but they used to have chickens, so we would go to their house, and my kids would go pick up the eggs from the chicken coop, and we would always say, oh, you need to be really gentle with them, you know, like, grab the egg. And even us, like, when, when we're handling eggs, you, you pick the egg up, gently set it in the bucket. That's a, that's a situation that requires gentleness, right? So I felt like what God was showing me about gentleness, kind of like my own definition, if I may, was that just like when you're handling an egg, like say you're at a chicken coop and you're grabbing an egg and putting it in your bucket, you have the complete ability to just crush that egg in your hand or drop it or throw it somewhere or, or you know, that egg can be broken really easily, but it requires gentleness to keep it whole. Is this making sense? So gentleness would be, what I wanted to share with you guys, is when you have the complete ability to crush something, like an egg, but you don't. But you don't do that. But you pick it up gently, you put it in the bucket, you walk slowly back to the house, wash your eggs, because it came out of a chicken's bum, so you need to wash it right? So, <laughs> just for fun. Just for fun. So, I think, and what I want to talk about is, like, being gentle when situations are delicate. When you have the power to crush something or hurt someone or, you know, you know what I'm saying. When you have the power to do that, but you don't do that. You hold back and you instead choose to be kind and gentle. Yes, it is. It is. Now, like all fruit of the Spirit, gentleness is, starts as an inside work. Then it flows out to the people around you. So, I'm going to read a verse now. It is John 15, 5. John 
Well, I'm just going to go. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Oh, I'm sorry. I need to preface this. So this is, this is Jesus sharing basically his last sermon, his last thoughts with his disciples before he was crucified. So these are really important words. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So this verse is saying, Jesus is saying that if you're a branch of, of a grapevine and you get cut off of the source and you're just lying on the ground, not connected to the vine, there ain't no way you're going to have any grapes. No grapes are going to come out of you. And if you did have grapes, they're going to die and be gross. So we need to be, remain in the Lord so that the Holy Spirit can do the work in us to produce that gentleness that overflows to the people around us. And I believe that the work that the Lord wants to do in all of our hearts to, to foster gentleness is humility. He wants to do a work of humility in our hearts so that that gentleness can come out. And I'll explain more why I think that. Now, let's talk about Butte. What is Butte known for? Your mom. Tough. Butte tough. Stop, Derek. What is Butte known for? Sorry. Riches. Yes, the minor. The minor. Okay, yes. Okay, okay. What I'm talking about is the tough stuff. Butte's known for fighting. Butte tough. Butte versus everybody. I've even heard about some of you guys fighting in school. <gasps> okay. Physically punching. Butte says they're tough. But gentleness is far, far tougher than any of the baddest baddie in Butte with tattoos all over, getting in fights, been in jail a million times. Gentleness is super, super tough sometimes. And I'm going to prove it to you with Scripture. Matthew 5, 38 through 42. Matthew 5, 38 through, what did I say, 42. Sorry, guys. Let me get this, the scriptures up there in just a second. I'll just start, and it'll get up there, guys. You have heard, oh, the preface, again. Jesus, this is, this is Jesus talking to a big, big group of people. Um, it's a sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. The whole thing is, not just these verses, but the whole thing, the whole sermon is called the Sermon on the Mount, and it's, Jesus is preaching it at the beginning of his ministry. All right, so he says, You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, 
Turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. So Jesus is telling these people, if anyone slaps you, slap it back. (laughs) If anyone slaps you on one cheek, go ahead and turn turn your other cheek and let them slap you on the other one. Now, what do you think would happen if somebody went up to the party palace at 11.30 at night and went up and sl- went ahead and slapped the biggest, biggest baddie in there? <laughs> they get slapped back. That would be chaos. I would be terrified to be in that situation. <laughs> but here Jesus is, and you see how I'm saying, it would be far tougher if you were at the party palace. If somebody came up and slapped you in the face, it would be far tougher to turn to them the other cheek than it would be just to slap them around and, like, you know, beat them up or something. Wouldn't it? You guys agree? Is that making sense? Okay. That's good. (sighs) So how do you get to the place where you would be able to turn the other cheek because that's not an easy thing to do. That would be, that is a delicate situation that takes some gentleness, okay? If somebody slapped you and you turned the other cheek and they slapped you again, holy cow, that would be very gentle. Very gentle indeed. How do you get, how would you get to that point? I got another scripture, Romans 3, 23 through 24. What's the context? This is not Jesus. (laughs) I need to preface this one. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Um, Lost my place now. Thanks, Derek. (laughs) Okay. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Can you guys say... For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Let's just... Okay, guys. All have sinned. Thank you. All have sinned and... I lost my place. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus, by Christ Jesus. Amen. So, when you see somebody's wronged you or is in a situation that's delicate, you can be gentle with that person because you know you sinned, okay? And you got grace from Jesus Christ who never sinned and died for you. And you got that gift freely, for free. You got forgiven your sins, and you are going to heaven, not hell. So, if you're in a situation like that, that requires some gentleness, be gentle for goodness sake. You didn't deserve it either. Get wrecked. He's right. I cannot think of a more perfect example to illustrate my points tonight 
then the story of Jesus and the woman caught in adultery. Now, <laughs> if that doesn't pique your interest, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, let's find it. It is John 8, 1 through 11. Now I'm getting there. Adultery means you had sex with somebody who's not your husband or wife. Sex? <laughs> Thank you, Caitlin. I knew that was coming. Anyway, I'm going to start reading now. So, John 8, 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman, brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. And you can just take the words off because I'm going to pause there for a second. I know it's kind of hard to follow when people are reading the Bible sometimes, so I'm just going to you know, re-go over the story so you guys don't miss anything. But basically, this is during Jesus' ministry, and he is doing his thing, and at dawn, he goes to the temple, and immediately people start gathering around him, and he starts preaching to them. And in the midst of all of this, all these people around him, the Pharisees and the, the leaders of the, uh, the, the leaders of the law and the Pharisees and all that, they had this woman who was caught in, in the act of adultery, and they barge in and just in the middle of the group, okay? So she's, it says she was caught in the act. So, I mean, maybe at best she's scantily clad, you know, in a sheet or something. I don't know. But the Pharisees are saying to Jesus, this woman was caught in adultery. The law says... We should stone her. Okay? There's the... <laughs> the law says we should stone her, which means, guys, if you were going to stone someone, people around you would throw rocks at you until you died. Ugh. Okay, that's really... That's, that's nasty. That's nasty stuff right there. And the reason that they did that is because they were, they were wanting Jesus... They were trying to trap him. Because if Jesus said, no, no, don't stone her, then they could ex accuse him of not following the law of Moses because it was true. You could stone someone or both the man and the woman who were caught in adultery. That's what the law was. So they wanted Jesus to either say, yeah, stone her, and then they would stone her, and that would be crappy. But then if he said, no, don't stone her, then they could, they could say, well, you don't follow the law of Moses, therefore it delegitimizes you as a teacher. So that couldn't happen either. So what does Jesus do? I will read it. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. 
When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away, one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Boom, right. So Jesus, they're asking him this question, and he stoops down, and he writes on the ground. What he writes? I don't know. I don't know what he wrote. And then they keep asking him over and over again, what should we do, what should we do? Pressing him, pressing for an answer, and he finally says, Okay, stone her, but the, let the first, the, let the person who throws the first stone never have sinned, be without sin, never have sinned at all. And so they all had to drop their stones because Jesus revealed this truth to them. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Can you guys say it with me? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So they all leave, and she is left alone with Jesus. And Jesus, the only one who could accuse her, and send her, the only one who could have thrown the stone because he had never sinned, said, neither do I condemn you. Now I want to end this sermon by telling you guys a story. The story, another story. This story is about my father-in-law. Um, my father-in-law became a Christian. When was it, Derek? Sorry to put you on the spot. He became a Christian when Derek was a kid. When he <laughs> when Derek was a kid, my father-in-law became a Christian, and before that, he was a pretty rough guy. Um, definitely butte-tough material, for sure, for sure. Um, he's got tattoos, and he's a biker, you know, and he, I think he was in some gangs and stuff before he found the Lord. Um, and the other day, he was telling me, or a couple weeks ago, he was telling me his story, his testimony, of how he found Jesus, and he was telling me that there was a series of different people in his lives and situations that were like stepping stones to Jesus, and he was telling me about some of them, and one of the stories just really struck my heart and fit very well um, with my sermon, so I want to share it with you. Anyway, so he was, when he was a young man, he was in line, and imagine, I don't know what it was, but it was like, you know how McDonald's has those two lanes, and then you got to merge into one? So he's in the one lane, and it's his turn to go first to merge in, but the person beside him cuts him off and goes in the front, and this pisses him off. So he actually gets out of the car and goes up to this other car and starts screaming and yelling and cussing, kicking this guy's car telling him what a piece of crap he is, blah, 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 blah. So then 
this guy gets out of the car, okay, and he is huge. He's, my father-in-law is like a, 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 I wouldn't say he's like a big, tall guy, but he's kind of, you know, he's gruff. He's a tough guy. Okay, but this guy is huge. Like, my father-in-law sees him. His name's Rod, by the way. Rod sees him and is like, oh boy, (laughs) I really shouldn't have messed with this guy. Like, he's going to crush me. But he keeps going. He's, you know, too late to turn back now. Okay, so he gets in his face. And this guy, well, this part doesn't work as well. Is that the thing? But this guy, imagine this. This guy holds up his hand like this. Please forgive me. I am so, so sorry. Please forgive me. And in doing so, puts down his rock. Right? Because my father-in-law is acting like a little baby. Right? Throwing a tantrum. You cut me in line. Right? And this big guy could crush him. But he doesn't. And I know. My father-in-law said, Rod said, I know that that guy was a Christian. And that situation's that situation was one of the big big reasons why I came to Christ in the first place. I mean, if that guy just smacked him down, nobody I mean nobody would have said, "Hey, don't do that." I mean, guys like he's kicking your car, he's going to beat you up if you don't do something. But this guy in humility was very very gentle with Rod, and in doing so, pointed a big old finger right to Jesus Christ because he was being Jesus to him. And in these situations, you guys, where you have a stone, and you could crush, you could crush whoever it is that's with you, maybe it's your friend who's gossiping about you, Right? And you could crush them, or you could forgive them. And you forgive them, and you put down their stone. You're being Jesus to them. You are! You're being Jesus to them. And that's what calls us, that's what, excuse me, and that's what God calls us to do with our gentleness. When we're gentle with people, then we, we point to God. So, anyway, I am going to pray because that's the end of my sermon. I didn't go too long this time. Hallelujah. So, Lord, I just thank you so much for this night. And I just pray that our discussion groups go very well. The people are open and honest and think about the word and take the opportunity to put their stone down and follow you and point to you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.